Mitch. How are What's you? What's up? It's up. It's that time of week again. It's that time of week again when when everyday people talk everything meeple. Yes, that's the Sunday. time. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. Sunday at seven on CHMA one hundred six point nine Sackville, New Brunswick. That's a very that's a very good station identification. I hear it a lot. I listen to the station quite a bit. And they usually, I, also at the end, they would say, uh, Voice of the Marshes. Yeah. Not the Martians. Meeple of the Marshes. Should that be our yeah. thing? Okay. Meeple of the Marshes. Marsh Meeple. Marsh Meeple. Oh, my God. Now I want to make chocolate, uh, meeple-shaped chocolates with marshmallow inside of them and call them huh. Marsh Meeple. That's got a ring to it. And sell them at the next Sackville board game convention. It's got a ring to it. How, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, the first thing I, I want to bring up before, well, I won't forget because I have it written down here, but I have I have it written down here as the first thing. Oh, yeah. So last week, last week we were talking about pictures and I said, uh, I wonder I wonder what they're doing different because a lot of mm-hmm. games have, have sort of a thing where you have to, uh, what, like uh, it's an extension of the drawing game where you draw a picture yeah. and... And you well, get cranium has cranium has the sculptor aids yeah. you use the play-doh or whatever and other ones have uh like colors where you mm-hmm. put a picture together with colors or blocks or stuff like that yeah. and so i was like what what are they doing different that is winning them the spiel de jar and so i went and i i looked deeper and wow it's it's fantastic oh. it's it's um this is a game that that should be purchased and put into schools for art programs and stuff like this is a this is a fantastic creative exercise beyond seeming like a really fun party game this is a great exercise for kids and and people just the way the way the game works there's a there's a stack of pictures because it's Mm -hmm. it's named pictures and you lay them out uh, sort of code name style in a grid right I i think it's like nine nine picture grid or Maybe four. Maybe it's a little uh, bigger than that. Sixteen pictures, maybe four by 16. four. Sixteen. It is four by four. Yeah. And then and then it's it's numbered off like a grid. So A B C D one two three four, and there's several sets of items, right? So right. you talked about that before, where where there's shoestrings and rocks and sticks and colored yep. cubes. But the way that it works is each person gets one of those types of groups. So it's one person might get a, a, a bunch of cards that are different icons. One person right. will get the colored blocks where there's, I think, 24 colored blocks, but they're only allowed to use nine of them. They have a little huh. frame that they have to put them in. Right. And, and so everybody has a different way to make pictures. And then everybody draws a chip that gives them what coordinate their picture that they're trying to make is. And then you use the items that you have to try and best replicate that picture so that everybody else might guess what picture you're making. And for everybody that guesses right, you get a point. And then you shift your stuff to the next person and you do it again. And you play until everybody has used each set of components once. Oh, wow. And that's it. And it's like simple and hilarious and like just just as a as a creative exercise sure go through each of those things and try and copy one picture as best you can that someone can guess right. you know, if you're playing with six people you just one person guesses right you get a point it's great so is it just one person making the thing or is no, everybody's making the everybody's thing? working together at the same time and then right. and then you just sort of and it, and there's no time there's no time limit so there's no pressure for you have to be done before everybody else or or you only have a couple minutes it's just everybody just 
put something together. Oh, that's fun. And then everybody tries to figure out what everybody did. Kind of borrowing a little bit. Uh, we've never got around to trying it, but um, Vlada Shvatil, the guy who designed code names, also has that. I keep forgetting the name. So I'm looking over my shoulder. Picture this, isn't it? Pictomania. Pictomania, right. Um, which is, you know, a similar style thing we're talking about here where... Where everybody's drawing at the same time. Yeah, where everyone's drawing at the same time. Uh, so it's kind of like Pictionary, or, or, but the difference being everyone's able to do it at the same time and you're kind of keeping an eye on everybody's and trying to guess correctly uh, what the people around the table are drawing for more points. So it seems to be... And that one's, that one's interesting where it does have... Like timing is sort of a key element of that one where if you can yeah. guess before someone's done, true, you get you get I think more points, yeah, you want to work quicker uh, you want to do as little as possible to get people to to guess correctly yeah. uh, so that you can look around and guess others, yeah, that's neat i i yeah, I only knew a, a little bit about it last week when we talked, but yeah, just that little bit more added with this four by four grid and the fact that you're passing around these components everyone's going to get a, a chance to try with these different components it'd be a lot of fun it would go over well um with our party group i think and like as a creative exercise for like schools and kids and stuff where yeah the the way you're you're thinking has to change as you mm -hmm. switch components and you get a new set of components like whenever you're doing a colored blocks you're looking at the picture that you've pulled the coordinates for and you're sort of filling in the color spaces to, mm -hmm. to get someone to guess which picture is yours. And then you shift and all of a sudden you have shoestrings, you know? So yeah. you have to completely change sort of the creative way you were thinking about approaching the, the picture for your next one because yeah. you, you have a completely different uh, system to deal with. So that's hilarious. It, and, and the fact that it, it sort of keeps going in a little chain will start getting your brains going faster and it's really neat i think it's a great one yeah. uh and then it was a gen con this weekend which which i i never go to because and this year normally i i participate as much as i can in gen can't which is i think deserves credit for being way ahead of its time for being one of the first <laughs> online only uh conventions and yeah. it's been going for years and it was it was started as sort of a joke where everybody that couldn't go to Gen Con which is one of the biggest North American game conventions uh went to Gen Can't and so the, it, at least it still went this year too so it started Gen Con and I couldn't really make it to either of them but I did I did try and check out little tiny bits of what's going on at Gen Con and I hope to catch up on a bunch of the videos right. in the next week or so for new releases I saw that Haba is releasing two new skins of Animal Upon Animal Oh really? Which I think is fantastic. Uh, Great game. Animal upon Animal is a is a kids game. Dead simple, uh, beginner beginner weight dexterity game. It's for like three and up, I think. Yeah, it's a lot but of it's, fun. But it's very satisfying. It's very fun to sit down with the kid and and play this very calm game. And they've released two new skins, which is brilliant. Um, why not? They they yeah. released a dinosaurs, which of course. Oh makes a lot of sense and unicorns which make makes a lot of <laughs> makes a lot of sense that's awesome and now there's so much seems seemingly popularity uh, i guess dinosaurs never really go out of style because dinosaurs were style. huge when i was a kid i i was mad about dinosaurs and every other day there seems to be a new dinosaur board game or at least dinosaur themed 
dinosaur parks, you know, dinosaur island. And dinosaurs are like medieval dragons. Yeah, which is Definitely a weird. Real. It's a weird thing to say. It's uh, the the way that worked in my head just now, which is a ridiculous thing to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> if you have a medieval themed board game, that feels like it's somehow based in realism. Where if you put right. in dragons, it's fantasy. Right? right. So if you have a game that has dinosaurs, dinosaurs are like dinosaurs to me are are like dominion, and dragons mm. are are fantasy dinosaurs. Right. Is that is that broken? <laughs> that's that's my brain. My brain thinks a little bit. Dragons are like fantasy dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. Is it's possible? Worse. That's a that's a tangent that didn't need to happen. Well, it's got me. Uh, it's got my my my. Are you googling started. dragons right now? I'm not, and not in general. No. Uh, board, board game related, um, and I'm having a hard time bringing it up right in front of me. But I, you probably had heard that. Blue Orange Games announced a new. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna. I oh, I wasn't gonna get to that yet. I wanted to. I wanted to go down a different tangent. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dragon Anim, drag Dragon Animo, Dragon the Animo. Reason, the reason I'm having a hard time finding it is because I didn't know how to spell it because I don't know how to say it. Dragon Amino. Dragon Amino. Dragon Amino. Dragon Amino. I almost want to. Oh no, it's just Dragomino. Dragomino. Yeah, there's no you lose the N. The N drag, becomes an M. Drag on uh, no. Which is what I hoped it was gonna be. And it has a it has a really neat uh where King Domino, you're building uh a small kingdom by choosing you're drafting uh dominoes, and each side of the domino is is one of I think four or five different terrain types. Yeah. And so whenever you place you have a castle in the middle of your terrain. And then you, and that's wild. So anything can attach to that. But once you start placing your dominoes, you have to align at least one of the new dominoes so that it's adjacent to a yeah. matching terrain. And then uh, those terrains have little crowns on them sometimes. And at the end of the game, you you count your score by counting how many adjacent terrains are in one type, and you multiply that by the number of crowns that are marked yeah. in those spaces. And it's a super fun game, super light, and you'll play it again and again and again. And, and it won the Spiel the Charge just a couple of years back, right? If I'm not mistaken. I, I'm, I'm maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Could well be. Check, but. Could well be. Uh, it's a fantastic game. And the new one for uh, sort of for kids, which is kind of, I mean, we played King Domino with Macy for years now. Like oh. when she was like five or six. Sam no problem. Him. So yeah. this new one can be played even younger i think mm -hmm. and what they've done is they simplified it where you're drafting dominoes and you just place one terrain beside another terrain and if they're matching there's all these uh dragon egg tokens yeah. Yeah. that match each terrain type so that if it's you know forest there's like a green dragon egg that you would pick up and you draw them blindly and whenever you flip them over you find out if you've got a baby dragon or or a, an empty dragon egg. If you get an empty dragon egg, you're allowed to go first the next time, I think. And if you get a, a regular dragon, that's going to be points for you. Huh. That's the that is the difference, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you don't you're you're not you're not so restricted for how you're doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And. Yeah, King King Domino did win the Spiel des Jahres in 2017. So you know it's a really family weight 
accessible game that I recommend to anybody. It's one of those games that's, I think, you know, 20 or 25 bucks, I would recommend to any family getting into games. Um, but, and again, our kids love it. Sam loves it too. I do think maybe the reasoning, I'm sure there's many, but the, for releasing a, a more kid-friendly version is the multiplying, the multipliers yeah, the can get pretty intense. There you know, was can, for a bit uh, a great app that did the yeah. scoring for you where you could draw it out and, and it was Macy's favorite part of playing the game. Sam and, too. and I haven't been able to get that app to work. It was, uh, it seems to be gone now. Yeah. So I definitely agree. This one makes the counting easier because you're just, you count your tokens basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and you don't have to count stuff and then multiply by the other thing you counted and, and then keep those things together. Like you kind of need a score pad for yeah. sure to get through King Domino. But if King Domino was too easy for you, there was also Queen Domino, which uh, added right. in layers of of more strategy and more you you get to build things and yeah. and they did a great thing where they have um, another expansion called Giants. Yeah, this is called Giants, and that expansion yeah. works with either King Domino or Queen Domino because they play so similarly. You can just buy the expansion and play it with either either game. Yeah, yeah. I've been but probably not Dragama no. Age of Giants. Age of Giants. Yeah. Which uh which uh, the thing is I, I really like the look of Age of Giants. You get these little uh cardboard standee giants that, that end up on your little kingdom. Because the artwork is quite nice in King Domino. Just glancing at, at Board Game Geek comparing it to Dragamano, I I I prefer the King Domino art. Uh it just pops a bit more it might be that might be a prototype i'm looking at though so i can't say for certain but the age of giants gives you these little standy giants to place on your kingdom looks really cool unfortunately i think it usually runs cost wise about the same as king domino and maybe part of the reason is it comes with a cool yeah the uh, stand tower right yeah because it's, it's a bit of a, and this is so nit, nitpicky, not even nitpicky, but, you know, King Domino, the only bit of administration you have in that game is to uh, how you have to lay out your four tiles. And they have numbers on the back and you have to lay them in uh, ascending order. Um, and then when you um, draft your, your dominoes, you flip the next and then you're going to be taking out four more tiles. So you're constantly kind of either shuffling those tiles and keeping them in the insert in the box or stacking them like a Jenga tower on your table, uh, however you, you choose to do it. But yeah, this Age of Giants expansion gives you this tower to kind of drop them in and then you can just kind of pull them out of the tower. It's kind of cool. I really like the draft system in that. Like I like that. If like the way the the way the tiles are numbered from from one to whatever they are, the higher the number, the more likely it is to have crowns and scoring stuff on it. Yeah, and the lower number, the less likely it is. And then there's a there's a tally that you can follow all the time that shows you how many of each terrain. Not how many you don't know how they're sort of divvied out on the dominoes, but yeah. how many of each square that is half of a domino how many of each exist. So you can sort of keep track of how many forests are gone and how many scoring forests might be left. Yeah. But so if you choose um, a better tile, then you're going to go later for the next choice. And that's, that's always great. Always really Simple. fun. So if there's nothing you want, you can just take the first tile to make sure that you have the first pick of the next ones. But yeah, if you take the wrong one, then you probably can't put it in your kingdom. You just screw up and you're going to end up with a hole in your kingdom. Yeah. And listening to you say that about 
uh, you know, this knowledge that the higher numbers are likely to have crowns and that, that there's, there's some strategy in and how you want to, uh, whether you want to go first or get a better tile is probably exactly why they've designed a, a more kid friendly version yeah. because you could get pretty good at King Domino and it's not really a level playing field for a kid. If you, if you keep those things in mind, it's true. Um, when we first got King Domino, uh, Macy would win every second or third game. And the more we played it, the less that would happen. Yeah. Because the and, more we played it, the more Melissa and I knew what we were looking for and how to, and how to place things to make yeah. sure that we kept things open for ourselves. So, Yeah. That's true. So it makes sense because it is immensely popular and good. So and that something is, to look out for. Is it Bruno Cathala? With the Dragomino as well, oh, you mean? Bruno oh. Cathala with uh, King Domino for sure. And I imagine Dragomino is, uh, is him as well. I'm just uh, having a look-see here. And I did not... Yeah, it is Bruno Cathala, but it looks like they brought in a couple of other designers. Marie Fort and Wilfred Fort. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know the full story behind that, but probably find out soon. I didn't mean to sidetrack you though. I just thought no, no. dragons and I have been meaning to, to, to talk to you about that. Um, cause we have played a bunch of King Domino. My sidetrack was just, uh, where I wanted to follow, uh, the animal upon animal a little farther. Oh yeah. We're talking that that was such a great intro game for very young kids and stuff. Uh, so is so is King Domino, but I wanted to know: Can you remember what what dexterity games you played, or what's the <laughs> earliest dexterity games that you played? And I don't think Hungry Hungry Hippos really counts. No, I definitely have my first memory. I, I want to say Jenga, but it's not Jenga. I think my first memory of something dexterous would be Kerplunk, probably. And I don't know if that would Kerp, quite no, qualify. Kerplunk, yeah, yeah. Kerplunk is really interesting. Uh, not not really interesting. Again, whenever I say something's <laughs> really interesting, that means something completely different to most people, I think. Uh, I was looking up Jack Straws. Uh, do you know, right. are you familiar with Jack Straws? Uh, it sounds familiar, but not it's up pick up sticks, right? right? It's pick up sticks, but they made uh, plastic uh, like ladders and shovels and rakes and stuff hose mm-hmm. uh and you had a little metal hook and you would try and pull out the pieces so it's basically it's right. pick up sticks but molded plastic and so i was trying to look up like where did pick up sticks come from <clears throat> and it seems like it's it's a game called mikado right early on and it's uh, like 1850s and there's some weird confusion as i was looking for it where uh, one thing I'd found said it was a as an early Japanese game, right? And then other, I think Wikipedia says it's from from Europe and it came around from Denmark or something. The way the scoring and stuff works, every piece of pickup sticks where it's colored bands are they're all named after like Japanese emperors. One and like it's all one's a samurai, so it's it's all very Japanese and it's either the Europeans co-opting that or it, or maybe it did originate in Japan and it seems very but uh Mikado hmm. is is like the best I could find was the name of the stick right but that's what the whole game got called and then you look it up again and yeah. that's what Kerplunk is but Kerplunk is you're pulling the sticks out yeah same sticks huh so not interesting at all <laughs> well no, no kind of <laughs> interesting it was, uh, 
but yeah, Kurt, Kurt Blunk would count. My the earliest one that I can remember as like a as sort of a total dexterity game was a we had a game called Jack jumps over the candlestick or something. Oh you, yeah, you had these little plastic discs, and you would build a candle, and you had these little metal flickers and a little plastic guy, and you uh-huh. build a candle higher and then flick him, and it was like a high jump game where you would try and constantly get. Huh. But I mean, I probably played jacks before that. I probably played pickup sticks before that. Uh, that's ringing a bell. Uh, yeah. Is this a game like a kind of folk game that you would have made up or this no, game? No, it was a, it's a plastic manufactured one. It's like, uh, you ever play Ants in the Pants? It's yeah, yeah. It's a toy game so, where you're flicking plastic ants kind of like Piggy right. style into a giant pair of plastic pants. Uh-huh. It was like yeah. that. I'm kind of, I'm with this Jack Jumps Over Candlestick, I'm picturing... Yeah. Probably from an illustrated uh, fairy tale book, uh, you know, a guy jumping over a candlestick with like a big nightcap on. And then that's melding in my brain with the game Don't Wake Daddy with the daddy who sits up straight in bed oh, yeah. with a nightcap on. And I don't know which one I'm actually remembering. I should look up the history of Operation. That's a that's a pretty exciting dexterity game from it's, yeah, it's that, kept up. And that has a that that would be a good uh, thread to follow because I remember hearing some trivia about that at some point. That has an interesting development yeah. story, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Spoons. Did you ever play Spoons? Oh God, yeah. That's a that's a huge family game for us. That's a that's a classic, yeah. and that's that's interesting. I'd like to look up the history of that one because it didn't really get board gamed. It didn't get toyed. I I can't think offhand of a of a toy game like Hungry Hungry Hippos, where you're playing cards and grabbing a spoon. The closest thing to me that... that Is that where Ghost Blitz came from? Yeah, exactly. That That's what I was going to say. That the, the game that emulates that experience for me was Ghost Blitz when we, when we wow. first played that game, which is a different thing because it's doing that... Uh, I'll never remember the name of the, the psychological test where you're trying to match colors and images and you switch the color, blah, blah, blah. Which is, which is way left of what Spoons was. Yeah, but that that sensation or that the uh, adrenaline of just reaching into the middle of the table to grab something and chunks of finger yeah. nails digging yeah. into people like that happened with spoons all the time growing up. I think I said it before. Where ghost splits, I think they should really put out an expansion that's just uh, band aids. Yeah, <laughs> just like ghost blitz branded band aids as an expansion. <laughs> it's true. I mean. Someone's going to get a little nick. Have we talked there, about I Ghost Blitz uh, on this show before? Uh, I'm sure it must Ghost Blitz has got to be my favorite. Oh, but I don't want to say my favorite. It's in my top five favorite dexterity games Yeah, uh, right now. Uh, Crokinole will always be there. Crokinole. Oh, yeah, of uh, course. Which is a wonderful history. That's, that's one of the most Canadian games there are. Originated in Perth, Ontario, I think, and is... Yeah. Slowly, slowly conquering the world. It's in the top 100 games on BGG. The Rhino Hero games, yeah, Super Battle and, and regular Rhino Hero, those are probably in my top five. Am I? Is that it? Am I out? Oh, Jenga. I I love Jenga. Yeah, I, I don't think. I keep seeing them sort of trying to find new ways to play Jenga. They put out like yeah. plastic Jenga. vibrating extreme experience of Jenga on its own as a, as a party game is is hilarious yeah. and. And um, what's the system that they? Oh, yeah. That's the art, the RPG system that they built. Yeah. With Jenga, what's that called? Do you remember? I I don't. <clears throat> I watched a live play of that at, uh, I think it was at Gen Con, 
last year, the year before. And it dread, was, dread, dread. And it was mm-hmm. fantastic where uh, the GM is as, as the tension ramps up, he, well, it, it ramps up based on basically how wobbly the tower mm-hmm. is and like the decisions that, that people are skill checking get more intense as the Jenga tower wobbles. And like, so every time with that system that you have to do a skill check where you would normally roll a die in Pathfinder or D and D you have to pull uh, a Jenga brick. Yeah. And it's, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the catch is uh, if the Jenga tower crumbles, you're dead. Like that's how your character dies. No, something critical happens. Or is it? And then the story will sort of reset. Yeah. 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 Right. But just for that, like I know, I know there's so many. There's problem is I haven't tried as many yeah. new dexterity games as there are. Like there's uh, Catacombs, which is like a dungeon crawling crokinole. Yeah. There's, uh, flick ships where you're you're basically yeah. flipping uh, tiles, circular yeah. tiles that are attacking space battle style. Uh, oh, that reminds w- me. Did you, did you ever, when you were a kid, play the? Uh, what's it? Basically, you take trading cards like your Star Wars cards that you might have had, and you play a game where you throw them uh, towards the wall, and, and the closest to the wall wins and get, keeps the cards? No. No. This is a game no. that my brother introduced to me uh, to basically steal my Star Wars cards <laughs> and baseball cards and hockey cards, uh, anything at all. And I started thinking about it the other day and going, what if that's not real? What if he was mm. just stealing my stuff, but... You know, I, I looked it up in forums and stuff, and it's it's definitely a thing. And that became there's modern games of that, right? There's uh, yeah, they're not they're not hugely popular. I think Dungeon Fighter maybe is one. Oh, of them. Right, yeah. <clears throat> Where you have a big target and you're throwing cards, and I think there's rules on how you have to throw cards if you're like if you take yeah. a three or something. Get under the table. There's, uh, there's one called Max, Maximum Throwdown, which is like a, oh right. I get those confused, actually. Yeah, a, a dexterity game that always impresses me with its trailer videos uh, is this Ice School with the penguins. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Where yeah. You kind of you use the box. I think there's four boxes that you clip together. Yeah, it has like doorways, like our kind of arch doorways, with fish and, clips uh, with fish clips kind of hanging, dangling, almost like clothespins on a line kind of thing, and you're flicking these penguins that are kind of like weighted. Um, They're like weebles. Exactly. And you're flicking these things through the door. Anyways, the trailer, I, I have to imagine it's like one of those things like when you were a kid and you're watching like a G.I. Joe commercial and, and they're showing you like it's outside and there's tanks rolling over the hill and you're like, oh my God, I have to have that. And then you get it and it's like, oh right, I just have one action figure in, in my Chesterfield. Um, it's not the same. I'm, I, I got to wonder with Ice Cool because you watch this video and again, you got this box uh, this arena for penguins to glide around in and people are like flicking them and they curve around into the doorway, make like a 360 around the box, hitting fish that are hanging. Sometimes they jump the walls and like somersault and hit fish. And I'm like, is really, is that game? Will it really make me feel that cool? If I, if I get this game and play it with my kid, are we going to do impressive stunts like that? Or is it, or are those things never going to happen? Am I just going to keep flicking it at the, the wall, the box and be frustrated? like I am with Crokinole sometimes because I'm not great. Mm. But but it looks it's impressive looking. Um and like most flicking decks games, you can it's not like it's random chance. You can get quite good at that skill. But that would be a, a fun one to check out. But it, yeah, you were saying go go splits is uh 
is is a really fun party game. Uh, the only thing with Ghost Blitz where it, it's doing that shape and color recognition game, I th- I feel like based on our experience playing it, some people are just intrinsically better at that. And sure, and I I think again, the more you play it, the better you get. Yeah, and, sure, it can probably be practiced. And I say that because Melissa and I take that game and we play it with everybody. And we play it all the time, and she beats me all the time. Well, we, yeah. we, we often are very close, but she almost always pulls ahead. <clears throat> and whenever we play with people who've never played it before, you know, they, they're yeah. not likely takes, to get a lot. Takes a while. And it's, it's such a simple game where you have five different objects, and you flip over a card, and each of those five different objects is not only a different object, but they're each a different color. And you flip yeah. over a card, and that card shows a picture of two of the objects with either the right colors or the wrong colors. So there's, of the five possible things, there's a representation usually of four of them and either something is missing. If there's there's four colors, uh, four (laughs) things matching, basically. So if you have a book and a ghost, but the ghost is blue and the book is green, then there's whatever's the missing bit. It's going to be the object you you have to grab first. Yeah. Or if one of those items on the card is pictured exactly right, where it's the object that is also the right color, then you have to grab that object. Mm -hmm. Some people have an easier time when it's the right object and the right color shown. And some people have an easier time when when there's an absence, whenever you have to figure out what's missing. I I don't know which one I find easier. I find... uh, people tend to go through sort of what do you call them like a streak where yeah. if, it's, if the same thing comes up where if three or four cards in a row have the same object no matter yeah. if it's if it's displayed one way or the other that person who grabbed that object is i don't know if the cuz are thinking that object but they seem to get it two or yeah. three times in a row there's a bit of that magic that happens with that game almost like the mind where you can almost you know it's almost like someone's grabbed it before the cards even laid laid down it's almost impossibly fast like you get a little bit of that psychic mind meld where you're like how did they grab that so fast impossible to process that information but it happens it's just cool it's fun but here's here's the thing where uh some games where if you play and people are not very good at the game and other people are really good at the game and are guaranteed to win that game <clears throat> it doesn't matter with ghost plus because it's just hilarious yeah it's true it's just super funny and I it's play- fast I played Scrabble last night with uh, Melissa and her mom who play Scrabble <laughs> pretty much professionally. Yeah. And I grew up playing Scrabble with my grandmother and it was one of my favorite games and, and we played it forever. And I used to play with Melissa all the time and her mom and I had a chance and then Scrabble on the phone started and they, yeah. that's, that's how they chat. Like they, they keep in touch by playing Scrabble on their phone together at a distance every yeah. day, every night. And so it's, it's become... Uh, it's like they're chess, you know, they've learned the yeah. ins and outs of how to play it. And, and so I played and I got destroyed by like, a, <laughs> I won't, I won't say the scores, but I did break a hundred. It happens, but Ghost Blitz mm-hmm. is always funny and is such a fast game because you just play through the deck and you're entered up. Yeah. And you know, I, I do think this is a short tangent. Um, I've never really gotten to play Galaxy Trucker the way I've envisioned it. Mm. Um, talked about Galaxy Trucker maybe sometime in the past on here. It's like a tile, tile laying, building a ship, uh, 
with different components, but just like, like Carcassonne size tiles, you're flipping them down, you're connecting your ship that has the line up a certain way. And in a, in a nutshell, then you sail this ship through space by f- flipping cards and bad things happen to your ship. But I imagine if you could play with the five player kind of limit, uh, you could get a bit of that dexterity ghost blitz spoons vibe from that game. If you played enough, because what happens in that game is there's supposed to be the, all the ship, parts just like you're going through a garbage pile are supposed to be face down in the middle of the table uh, and you're only allowed to use one hand to go in and take one tile and see if you can fit it on your ship and if not you put it back face up well i think the more you would play that game you would be eyeballing around the table looking for specific parts that you know work well and i think there would be a bit of tension between people to be like oh there's that the component that connects on all four sides and people would be kind of scrambling and grabbing for it, which is also a real time game. If you want to play that way with timers, um, I think that could get kind of grabby and scratchy uh, if that game was, was played enough too. I feel like I remember hearing they shut up and sit down guys talk about that game and in kind of party mode playing mm-hmm. where that does happen and it gets kind of tense and um, blitzy. Um, that could be fun sometime. Uh, Rhino Hero and, <clears throat> and Rhino Hero Super Battle, that that comes from just building card houses, you know. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, just houses. When we first found Rhino Hero, which is a very small box, it's basically a deck of cards with some mm-hmm. pieces in it. In your turn, you just put a wall and put a thing, and you might have to move the rhino. And you build a tower, and the tower falls over in a in a Jenga style uh, catastrophe at the end. And I put that, we did a, a list on the website of uh, top five games that I enjoy losing. Right. And I put that as one of the most fun games to lose uh, for me because of, because of that Jenga excitement when it, when it just collapses. Yeah, disaster is always fun. And then Super Battle came out, and Super Battle is... I, the cards just, are bigger? The whole game is bigger. It's... My right. my complaint about the game is that it came in a box that was too big. They did sort of that marketing thing where right. it's a super battle. So they brought out this enormous box. I think I mentioned it on the show before where you could fit that whole game into the animal upon animal habit-sized mm. box. Super battle is is bigger in every way. But right. the, the boxes, it did not need to be. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I feel like... Uh recently playing some mario with sam he was just like fixated on those worlds where everything's giant mm-hmm. the giant worlds right and I, it it totally brought me back to being seven and playing like super mario 3 for the first time and i think world four is the giant world and just like my mind being blown like oh my god everything's bigger the bullet's I'm huge at, i just imagine it is it is marketing you know if, if you, you have a kid who enjoys rhino hero and then they see giant rhino hero on the shelf it's like oh my god well, everything's bigger that's been a, a thing with marketing for yeah for decades that you know and that that's always been one of the slow to die things with board games is that mentality where people feel like they're getting their value when the box is bigger yeah and I, I feel like that is starting to die out in the board game industry, at least because of one one shelf space. We can't buy another game if it doesn't fit in the cubby hole. Mm-hmm. So 
hopefully the other reason is, is more of an environmental consciousness where you don't need that big a box where people can yeah. see the value now based on the artwork, based on the, on the quality of the production, based on, on the game itself mm -hmm. that you don't need to do these, these ridiculous marketing things that have, you know, they, they just, they, they've existed for so long that they're crap. Yeah. What happens? And it yeah. feels like, it feels like Rhino Hero Super Battle might have been a, a victim of that. Right. Which yeah. Is, which is too bad because most Haba stuff is, you know, that's a that's a peculiar size box for Haba. Right. Like it seems like someone had to have made that decision to like put it in a box that is not one of their normal size boxes. Yeah. And it does and seem I, I'm like... I'm pretty sure I've complained about this before. So I, I we should probably move on. I, I, do, uh, I do find the box thing interesting though because... Well, I feel like what we're seeing more of now is it's crazy, but like, well, I mean, a game just kickstarted that is the, the theme and the premise is based around stacking your board games on a kind of Ikea Calyx shelf, basically. Um, games are kind of keeping those dimensions in mind. So even if there is a game that could only fit in a massive box, mm -hmm. they're going wide and 12 deep by 12 and versus and flat. Deep. And unshelvable, you know what I mean? Which I, I, I prefer like, that, you know. Even cool. games like Monopoly and Clue that have been out and and those are the box sizes that people grew yeah. up with or, well, at least I grew up with. Uh -huh. uh, those those boxes are coming out now as quad-fold boards in like 12-inch yeah. boxes now to fit the same the same dimensions as most other board games so that's a neat concession of the uh, mass market to to say maybe I'm, I'm wondering if someone's sitting around a table and saying we want monopoly on a hobby gamer shelf and not in the closet or but something I, you know what i mean i don't know how that decision would have come about like i don't know yeah, if, no, me been, neither. if it would have come from the manufacturer where the manufacturer right. says well this is this is the standards now this is you know we have these right. boards now we have these boxes now if we are going to make continue making your box it's going to cost more right than if could be. Than if we use these you know what we're doing already right so like it, it could be a whole whole lot more expensive to keep making those odd sized boxes just for those mm -hmm. games but I, I, uh, but I don't know i would uh, maybe i should ask somebody i don't know if you noticed fantasy flights uh, announcements or i guess they revealed at gen con as well the big teaser at the end of the reveal was this big Again, this it looks like it would fit almost perfectly in one of those Calyx cubes is their new Descent game that's that's coming out, which has a lot like, of people. Like a new a new version of Descent uh, or a sequel? Yeah, they're not calling it. For a while, I remember seeing some threads about it where people were, uh, it, it sounded like a third edition was coming, which had a lot of people kind of riled up because, uh, you know, new edition means your second edition and your first edition aren't compatible and they're not going to make any more content for it. I think this is still the case, but they're not calling it third edition. They're just calling it Descent Legends of the Dark. And, down in the, and they only show a guy holding the box, but down in the right corner, it says Act One. Hmm. um so make people, legacy descent sounds like people yeah people are speculating they're they're going to be announced you know uh getting in on the giant dungeon crawl campaign craze that you know, gloomhaven is there and massive darkness 2 uh just went to kickstarted yeah yeah went right. to kickstarter yesterday which is a big uh cool mini or not game which again i skimmed to that today and it's 
mind blowing. I just there's just such, the cost point so high for these massive dungeon crawls is insane. Um, but Descent seems to be be jumping on that um, with a significantly big box. I got uh, an email from a Kickstarter talking that uh, Destiny's just released oh, yeah. their newest edition of rules. And yeah. so they've released new rules and you can download them. And I'm excited to go through and read those. That triggered because you, you were talking about uh, the typical Kickstarter is so expensive and Destiny's for some reason. Yeah. Which, Des- uh, so the other news for Destiny's just recently was that originally De- Destiny's was Time of Legends and it tied in with Time of Legends, Joan of Arc. Yeah. And they have been, uh, Mythic Games has been in a dispute with the creator of Time of Legends, Pascal, Pascal. Mythic Games, Pascal Bernard. Right. Uh, Pascal Bernard, <laughs> who there, there's been, uh, they've been in a dispute with Pascal for months, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. about, about Time of Legends and that Kickstarter. And that was all tying in with Destinies and they were going to have crossover content and all this stuff. And however the settlement turned out with Pascal, Mythic Games uh, and and Lucky Duck Games, who's putting out Destinies, has removed all of the connection between the two games. So now it is not a Joan of Arc game. They're moving forward. They've been anticipating this because of the the length of time that the dispute has been going on. Right. They, they've they had all the artwork built uh, for the eventual outcome that, that they were going to lose that connection. Hmm. And, and the Kickstarter for that game was really interesting where <clears throat> they weren't even going to do uh, add-ons, right? So yeah, yeah. you bought one or two tiers and, and they showed the content they were giving. They were doing an expansion, but it was going to be free for everybody. And then the upgrades that they ended up doing were just improvements, but they were they weren't pushing for them. And it was so affordable. And it's a yeah. it's a minis game. It's got a bunch of minis. It's got app integration. It's it's a yeah. lot like the similar feel to the Lord of the Rings adventure game. Yeah, it does it does feel like those app driven fantasy flight games like yeah. uh, Journeys of Middle Earth and Journeys Descent Earth. and Mansions of Madness. Yeah, but what they've done with this one, uh, one of the things they've done is that they have. Uh, the system where people can go in and create their own stories with the components and and publish them for people to use in the game. Each player has their own uh, goals, and those goals overlap with the other players. And the timers for how things work, if somebody does one thing first, then then everything sort of falls apart for the other players. And you have to change what you're doing and your goals might change and everything might change you and i got to play it once because they yeah. sent out uh, a play test and we printed it and we played it and it was it was fantastic and the shipping was affordable the game was affordable. i think it was 60 dollars for a yeah. box full of minis a bunch of tiles everything and then shipping was only 17 dollars. and it was the last kickstarter that i i think i kickstarted maybe that's a good one because you're right and i think that is going to provide a very similar experience to these massive games that are, that I just mentioned, like Descent, the new Descent coming out, Massive Darkness 2. Massive Darkness 2 is kickstarting for something like 140 if you want the campaign expansion that they built in, which I imagine, yeah, of course people want the campaign expansion. But Destinies was really fun. I'm personally glad that it's detached from Joan of Arc because um, 
you know, no one likes feeling like they're missing out on a thing. And the Joan of Arc game with Mythic is, is a huge game in its own. I mean, it's a big price point and we might just never get it. And I wouldn't want to feel like I was missing out on like a prequel story or a connected lore or something like that. And like, I like the choice separated. The, anyway, I'm excited for that. I don't think I'm getting excited. it until like January, but. Yeah, I'm excited for you to get it. The other weird oddity, well, it's not that odd, I guess, that I saw in Fantasy Flight, it wasn't part of their announcement, but I just stumbled upon it on their website, was that they are reprinting the old Lord of the Rings game, the one that yeah, you and yeah, I played. It's a, well, it's like the 35th anniversary or something. It's it's an anniversary edition. The Rainer Kinesia game, which yeah. I've heard people call like one of the first kind of modern cooperative games. Um, I'm sure they're there would be disputes that there are others before that but um i liked yeah. that one that that had a it really is, interesting card system that we hadn't really had any experience with yeah and it has a, it does have a few unique systems it's a weird one um and the fact that it's a Kinesia game i, I do want to give it a try again and oddly enough it it looks a little polished up the reprint they're just showing a, a few new things that they're doing new dice new new minis uh but the art looks very much the same which is great because the art is fantastic it's uh john howe which is the same as the uh i'm pretty sure john howe is the ethnos artist mm. he's a great fantasy yeah artist perfect for lord of the rings um but yeah i thought i've, I've honestly looked at that game on my shelf it's taking up space don't know how much i'm gonna play it i'm like am i gonna eventually get rid of this game i'm a huge lord of the rings fan don't know how much it's going to get played um but looking at what they're doing to the reprint not that i want to get the reprint i just want to give the one i have another try i want yeah. to see how how it shakes out but i'm into it <clears throat> uh i had two other things i want to talk about but i don't know that we're going to get to them both um i was reading i got the latest edition of casual games insider casual game insider uh, yeah. cgi little cute um, puppy it's a it's mostly available as a as an e publication i think they do yeah uh, for a year but i signed up for uh they had a sale a while back yeah. where for this price of a lifetime pdf subscription yeah you got you got one year of print delivery cool <clears throat> and so they had in, in the newest ver it, yeah, what do you call those what do you call magazines newest issue in the Volume. newest newest issue newest issue they had uh what do they call it the board game rock stars five oh. game designers who changed the world oh which is exciting and yeah. and four of them i was i was like yeah of course of course when you, so the, when you guess can you guess some uh donald x vaccarino no oh. uh klaus or older oh okay. klaus tuber yeah. Catan. Catan, yeah. Right? Change the world. Yeah. Easy. Uh, Richard Rob Garfield. Rob Davio. Rob Davio. R Richard Garfield. Okay, yes. <laughs> Change the world. Magic yeah. the Gathering. Magic the Gathering, sure. Um, several others. Got another guess? Rob, Rob, Rob Davio. Matt Leacock. Okay, yeah. Pandemic. For, yeah. Fantastic. Great, great choice. Mm -hmm. um, you could probably guess one more. Alan Moon, Antoine Bowser, ah, Seven, Seven Wonders, Wonders, Ghost yeah. Stories, uh, Take Inoko. 
Okay, so there's a fifth oddity on here. That's not any of the ones I mentioned. No, and it's no, and it's great. It's really oh, good. Okay. I love that yep. they put it in. I never ever would have thought of it because okay. because the game she designed <clears throat> is not a game that I think of in this way. Okay, and it's a great game, but it's it's one of the few games that she designed that had much success at all. Uh, but it's a Spiel winner. Huh. Spiel de Jar at 2011, I think it won Spiel de Jar. Okay. I'm, Any guesses? It was that, it was nominated for the Kinderspiel, I think, but won Spiel de Jar. Huh. It's got uh, little tiles with colors on them. Little, little tiles with colors. I don't know. I, Quirkle. Uh, it's Quirkle. Oh, the Quirkle designer. Uh yeah. Yeah, her name is Susan McKinley and and Quirkle, of course. It's a Yeah. Quirkle's I do, but I never think of Quirkle as, you know, when I'm thinking board games, I mm-hmm. I've pushed Quirkle on people. You know, I I've given you a copy of Quirkle yeah. and other people copies of Quirkle. If I find a copy of Quirkle for cheap, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to I'm going to give it to somebody. Yeah. Cuz it's a brilliant game and it's super fun. Um But yeah, it was great. I I love a surprise like that where you're reading a list and like there's so many easy choices. Yeah. <clears throat> and then to to get that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I played I play Quirkle. Uh, it's been a while now, but yeah, it's great. It also won Mensa Select, but as as impressive as Mensa Select sounds, yeah. I, do, I don't value that that prize sticker when I see it on a box. Mm. I don't I don't go, oh well that must be a good game because I've seen that sticker. I've seen games that weren't very good win the Mensa Select Prize. Hmm. Like that pirate game that uh, that we have. Pirateer? No, no, not Pirateer. Um Loot. The one with the big chunky tiles that you, you can just keep building and on your turn you can oh, move yeah. a tile and you can end up yes. caught. There's there's problems. Yes. The game is that, very susceptible to cranky uh children. Yeah. There's you're if you're right playing with a with a cranky child who does not like to lose, they can they can just break the game. I grew up thinking Mensa meant something really special. And mm-hmm. as a board game prize, I've I've kind of been like, I don't know if that's a great you know, I think the uh the like toy fair stickers are a lot yeah. a lot more indicative they're a lot more appreciative of what the audience might be maybe than than the mensa mm. select sticker yeah maybe i always assume that mensa applies some sort of like i uh, intelligence score to it or something like i don't know but if that's, i don't really maybe i just need to go and research the mensa select yeah game, games list and it seems like they you know it's three or four a year that right it seems like they give that prize out in bulk cool nice trivia uh, I'm just I, looking at Susan McKinley Ross also designed Hoot Owl Hoot. Oh yeah, which I've actually played a few times, uh, a bunch of times with, uh, with my kids. Kingdom, I think. Yeah, Peaceful Kingdom do these super simple cooperative games, kind of almost in the vein of the a company we've talked about, Family Pastimes. Like they're similar kind of cardboard cooperative, yeah, like three year old and up games. Um, yeah, they're fun. They're like the first games you want to play with your kids, kind of. That one, Race for the Treasure and stuff like that. We must. She, she has another game similar to Quirkle that's about uh, fish. Yeah, fish sticks. 
Fish Sticks, which came out after. I was, I was I got excited when I saw that one and sort of how it played. And I was like, oh, is this the beginning of Quirkle? And and maybe it was, but it's published after. Right. The last also. the last thing I had on my list, huh. uh, my list is very heavy today on, on kids and family games, which maybe it is a lot lately. Oh, uh, that's, yeah. Llama Party Edition. Oh. There's a second edition this? of Llama that came out. Yeah. Which is another Rainer Kinesia. Yeah. They they made um it's it's almost exactly the same, but they've added a couple new cards. Huh. So well, they've they added add. they've added a pink llama. Uh, I can see the pink llama right now. Yep. There's one pink llama, and you can play that anytime. If you get That's caught, good. if you get caught with the pink llama in your hand, it's minus twenty points. Oh wow. So there's new t- pink chips that are worth twenty. <laughs> and then there's number cards that have pluses on them. Which, when you play that, you get to go again, so you can chain cards. Ah, that's interesting. Which could make things exciting, and could make the game way more swingy. Yeah, that could could work really well as a catch up, but might just make the game very swingy. Well, those are neat additions. Even holding on to that pink llama is a needed a neat enough addition to not get stuck. Because that that to me is the frustrating part of of llama is just you know a victim of your hand draw where. I well, can't I w- play, so I'm drawing, I'm drawing, I'm drawing. But if you could hold on was, to a llama. The way those two things work together is really interesting where you have a pink llama that you can play at any time. Right. But with the plus cards, it might not get around to you because True. people are chaining their cards. Right. Where normally with, with llama, you can go, okay, well, we're at two. Yeah. I can sort of count how many turns I'm going to get. So, <clears> does, not not so those, much if people can play more than once now. Will those two kind of mechanisms cancel each other out? And the weird thing is in the description of the game, it says specifically that if you have number cards in your hand, you take a white chip. And if you have a llama in your card, you take a black chip. <clears throat> when, I, when I read that, my brain was like, oh, my God, I learned the rules of llama wrong. And I right. complained about that in an episode. And I said, that, you know, the one complaint I have about llama is that it doesn't specifically say how to deal with the white and black chips. All it right. says in the book is that you can exchange them at any time. So right. anytime you can trade in your white chips for a black chip. And I was yeah. saying that the fix for that, because because if you win, if you get rid of all of your cards, you get to get rid of either a black chip or a white chip. And now right. a pink chip, you can get rid of a pink chip. Uh, and I thought the fix for that is as soon as you had 10, you traded it for a black chip. And everybody always did that so that everybody could always stay even. Hmm. Because when you're playing with a five-year-old, they may not, math up that oh i should trade in for a, a black chip right right so that i so that i can get rid of that you know and it, it, yeah, yeah. it's an unfair thing so whenever i read that with the white with the number cards you take a white chip and with the llama cards take a black chip i thought mm. i thought i totally read it wrong and that these are the rules and that's how it should be played so i'm back to the rules and that's not how it says it so i i don't know if they've changed that rule or if it's just sort of the way they worded the write-up that makes sense as a as a rule though i think Maybe. Cool. We actually played Llama the other day on our way back from our big trip but, cool. and had fun. I didn't. All I played was Scrabble this week and uh, and I, I lost terribly. Uh, Scrabble. It's been a long time. I get a feeling we're, we're over time. Possibly. Not over no? time. Well, I, can, I have the magic scissors that I can get us right down to time. <sighs> 
no problem. The ones with the triangle edges that cut cool shapes into your paper? Yeah, yeah, the pinking shears, they're called. Oh, damn, I never knew that. Yeah. I can I can cut us down to time. <laughs> well then, but I've been had. Okay. I've been had. You're right, we should we should go. Thanks, Steve. Wrap it up. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this, I'm going to cut this. <laughs> I just there's 20 seconds. <laughs> Bye, Steve. All right, later.